welcome to the simplicity of happiness when more is too much. This podcast offers tips and techniques for a better life. And before we start with another episode of the Simplicity of Happiness podcast, I would like to remind you that you can find out all about me and my thoughts on simplicityofhappiness.com as well as Patreon, where I am providing extra content for all of you who support me and the education of children in Africa. And now relax and enjoy the show. Well, hello and uh, welcome back to yet another episode of the Simplicity of Happiness podcast. And um, as you might have noticed, I'm on a on a running streak with interesting um, guests that I have uh, meaningful conversations with. And um, today is uh, Liam Naden from Australia in Italy. <laughs> hello, Liam. Hello, I'm from New Zealand, actually. What? Yes, that is so true. We talked about Australia and you told me to skip Australia and go to New Zealand right away. This is why Australia right. was sticking in my head. Because when I think okay. of you, I think about don't visit Australia first. <laughs> well, anyway, you are in Italy at the moment. Mm -hmm. And um, I want to... Um, I want to start with a little story. There are sometimes people I know that are doing quite well in their in their career and in their life, house, house, car, job, money, family, um, doing well, and then for some reason things are falling apart and they are losing bit by bit of what they worked for so far. And now I rec recognize two different character types. One of them, they are going the downward spiral um, into misery and they feel very sorry for themselves and they really struggle to get back on, the fee on their feet. And there are other people who take that as a chance to live the life they couldn't because they had so many responsibilities before. What do you think sets these two, well, behaviors apart? What is the difference? Well, I think the difference is what you think something means. Because the reality is that's really what separates or what's, what creates the happiness in our life or otherwise is the, the meaning we attach to anything that happens. It's not actually what happens, it's what we think it means. So you could look at something as a quote-unquote disaster, or you yes. could see the same thing as an opportunity, which is just what you've been explaining. And um, what people, I think the, the thing I've learned is that we actually have a choice. We can choose to see something as a disaster, or we can choose to see it as an opportunity, because... The funny thing, and I, I do a lot of work helping people understand how their brain works, but, it, but the way your brain works, it really is taking in information and based on several things, you are creating an interpretation of what you are seeing or what you are experiencing. <laughs> and what do I do so, when my interpretation is a catastrophe? Well, you need to ask yourself, what do I think this means? And... Equally important, why am I attaching that meaning to it? 
And one of the ways that can help you change that is to look back on your life and say, what is something that happened to me that at the time I thought was terrible, but actually that turned out to be really good in the end? And, you know, that could be the end of a relationship or the, or the end of a career or a business. And you can look, you realize at the time, this is, this is horrible. Why is this happening to me? I, I can't see how this could be any good. And then in hindsight, you look back and you say, I'm so glad that relationship didn't work out or I'm so glad I didn't get that job because if I'd got that job or, or struggled on with that person, I wouldn't have what I'm doing now and I've found something so much better. And I think that um, we don't have the benefit of hindsight when we're going through any experience right now. Yeah. <clears throat> but we have a part of our brain and a part of ourselves that actually if we let it, knows exactly what we want, knows how to make us happy, will, will really lead us to the right things. And part of that might be unraveling stuff that you've built up right at the moment. But, and then you can look back and say, you know, I'm really glad that happened. I'm really glad I went through that. And I think if people are really honest and they really reflect on this and they look back on things that they thought at the time were bad things, they can see that they've had a, a very positive outcome. Can I just give you, tell you a little story in relation to that? <clears throat> yeah. Everybody's please. heard of the everybody's heard of the Titanic, the sinking of the the ship, the Titanic. And everybody would say that was a terrible tragedy. Why did that happen? That was so awful. You know, one of the biggest disasters in history. But you know something really interesting about the sinking of the Titanic is that more people have been saved from um, drowning at sea because the Titanic sank than who drowned on that ship. Because what happened after the Titanic was they reviewed all of the laws about marine safety and about safety on boats. Mm -hmm. So they've saved far more lives of people who would not have been saved if the Titanic hadn't sunk. So that's an example of what appears to be a disaster actually turns out to be a great thing. And obviously not for necessarily for the people on yeah. the ship, but overall in perspective. <clears throat> so you never know what you're going through if it really is that bad. It feels like it at the time, mm -hmm. but you never know what, what, the, what the purpose of it is until later on. You are a sailor, aren't you? Absolutely. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna skip in or, or jump into a little uh, a story about yourself because I have a question about sailing. And just okay. in case, um, just in case that I forget about it, it will be about Boris Herrmann and the Vendée Globe to make a little mind game about this. But first, well, how did you? Give us, give us who did not have any pre-talk with you, uh, an overview on well, how did you end up in Italy being a sailor without a boat? <laughs> well, that's a very long story. Um, how did I end up in Italy? Quite honestly, um, a few years ago, I lost everything that I had. And I, my life went on a completely different path. And instead of trying to acquire more and more stuff to make me feel secure and happy, mm. which is what I realized 
I'd been spending my life doing and driven by the fear of not having enough. Because I lost everything, I no longer had the fear of not having enough. And so I was able to recreate my life without really too much planning, without too much worrying, um, trying to trying to make things happen and just allow things to happen. And when I did that, I realized what I was actually doing was allowing the part of my brain that is in control to actually start creating the life for me that I really wanted and that the life that was going to make me happy. So I, I um, formed a new relationship with somebody and I started to create um, businesses that, that were not stressful and that I really enjoyed. And we decided that we didn't need or want necessarily to live anywhere. Uh, firstly, out of necessity, because when we had no money, we couldn't afford to rent anywhere. So we just, we went house sitting in New Zealand for a, for a couple of years. And then we just realized that we didn't. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think we moved 18 times in two years. It was great fun. But, then we, <laughs> but we continued realizing that, that actually, let's and what we do now and what we've done for several years is let's just see what shows up rather than having goals planning trying to figure stuff out we just let's see what shows up and um, that's the way it's been for the last few years and so we decided after being in New Zealand let's go and explore Europe so we took a suitcase and a one-way ticket and and went to Europe and after a, we just traveled around and after a few months we were on a plane to southern Italy because we thought we'd go and have a look at that. And just as we got on the plane, I got an email from somebody who said, would you mind looking after my house for a few months? down?" And it was right, the closest airport to this place was where we were going. So that's what we did. And then we bought the boat and then we sailed around and then it was time to sell the boat. And really, we just take it one step at a time and see what shows up. And at the moment, I'm in a place in Italy where we sailed our boat and sold it and thought, wonder what we'll do next, wonder what will show up. And then about a week later, we got a contact from somebody who said, would you mind looking after my house on an olive grove, which happened to be two hours drive from where we were in Italy. And she said, um, you know, if you could just keep an eye on it and stay there as long as you like, that's fine. So people get bogged down, I think, in planning, you know, and trying to figure stuff out. But if you actually let your brain do the work, you just focus on what you're doing now and take the next step. And you'll be amazed at the miracles that show up. And that's, certain, mm. that's why we're here. What is your thought about... <clears throat> sharing... Sharing versus using versus owning. Do you mean uh, physicians? Mm -hmm. Stuff. I think um, it really comes down to who you are. You know, one of the biggest problems I think we have is we, we try and define who we are by comparing ourselves with other people. So we go, well, that person's got a lot of stuff, so they must be happy, so I need to have a lot of stuff. And, of course, the whole advertising and marketing industry is trying to tell us that we need stuff. But I think, so it really comes down to what you want and what makes you feel good. But I think for most people, what they need to realize, and, this, and I learned this the hard way, and I'm really glad I learned this, is that stuff really does bog you down and clutter you. 
you know, I've lived, my partner and I have lived for nearly 10 years with literally nothing more than what we can put in a suitcase. And it made us realize, and we don't, and we do that by choice, and we don't want any more stuff. We just, and, and what you realize is the more stuff you have, the more you have to look after, the more energy of your own energy gets put into that stuff, if you like. And that really clutters your mind and clutters your ability to just allow things to go with the flow. Because I think for most people, what they see stuff as representing is security. And they think, well, if I've got more money and if I've got more things, I've got a house and I've got all these things, then I'm going to feel secure. But security is very much an inside thing. And if you're trying to get something to give you a feeling of security, A, that's not going to work, and B, it's around the wrong way because you're using your brain the wrong way because you get into a state of always, you use what I call the part of your brain that's your survival brain, which always needs more. So if you're in the habit of needing something more for you to feel good, that's a habit that you're, you're not, never going to break. Whereas if you can get into the habit of feeling good and secure where you are, then you're going to get more of that brought to you. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're enough alone in a room. And when you realize that, there's nothing somebody can take away from you, which is giving you much more. I mean, if there's nothing that you can lose, that's the biggest security that you have. Because as soon yes. as you own something, it's something that you need or can worry about because you can lose it. Well, exactly. And at the end of the day, what do we all want? We all only want one thing. And actually, we're biologically designed to have this one thing. <clears throat> and that is, we want to feel good. We want to feel happy. We want to feel strong, resourceful, at peace. We want those things. And, that, and really... If we're trying to get things to have that feeling, mm. why not just have that feeling now? Why not to, and why not ask yourself, how can I get the feeling that I really want without having to just keep trying to get more stuff? Because a lot of the people I work with are like me who've been very successful who, or who are very successful, and they get to the point of saying, you know, this is crazy. No matter how much I have, I'm not happy. Yeah. What's good? And that's the way I used to think. I used to think, this is, this is absolutely, what's going on here where I can't be happy with what I've got? I always have to feel stressed and there's always something more I could achieve, you know. And we have this myth in society, we glorify achievement. You know, here's a person who they're achieving great things and you have to set bigger goals and strive and do more and overcome struggle. This is not the natural way of, of nature that we're a part of. It's not about struggle to get more. It's about enjoying and being here and enjoying what you have. And then you get everything you want, yeah. including feeling happy. Yeah, happiness <laughs> is what you really want. <clears throat> happiness is a place to come from, not a place to go to. Exactly. And people think this is a nice idea, but it's actually a biological principle as to the <laughs> way we physically work. Because when we're feeling good, we're in, our, we're in a state which um, biology calls homeostasis, which mm -hmm. is a natural state of perfect functioning of the organism. But you can only be like that. You can only function perfectly when you're in a happy state. And, people, it's not so, and that's why you have to be in a happy state first 
so that all of your resources of your brain and your organism can bring more of what you want to, to you. Which brings me back to Boris Herrmann. Did you, did you follow the, uh, the Von der Gluck? The Race Around no, the World? No, not it's, um, it's, a, it's a um, one, one, -handed, one handed, unsupported around the world race um, on sailing okay. boats. And um, it's taking place every, every couple of years, so not, not every year. Um, and um, they, are, they are sailing in, um, um, in a boat class. I think it's called Amoka Open 60s, something like this. So um, foiling, foiling monohulls. Um, and um, just about four weeks ago, the Vendee Globe ended. And there was a German guy who sailed there. I think it was the first time that a German guy, guy took place. So it was a big deal about, um, uh, about Boris Herrmann. And um, because you need to have quite a lot of financial background or supporters for all these, well, the, the boats and the logistics and everything to be taken care of. And he just, he had one goal, finish. Because there are a lot of people who drop out during during the race because if something breaks and you're alone, it's, you're going to be in a big in a big uh, trouble. Now something happened. Um, almost on their final leg, home to France or home to the Netherlands. Uh, well, you see, I didn't follow it uh, correctly, but it's starting in Europe and it's ending in Europe. Um, one of these boats broke in the middle. So, and this guy being alone on the boat, heard the crack, looked, looked to the front of the boat and he saw the bow going upwards. And he, he, then he looked down and the water was already flushing in. So he could only grab one bag and there was no satellite phone on, the, on that bag, just, the, um, well, just, just food. And he still had, I think it was five meter waves um, wind in the 30s, so quite of a bit, uh, bit of struggle. But he had an he had an on body AIS, which normally doesn't help you. But there were people following right behind him, and they could pick up the AIS, so they knew where he went where he went off off the board uh, off the boat, and they searched for him, and they actually found him after 24 hours. And during that, these people who helped searching, they get a time bonus. And Boris Herrmann ended up, after helping somebody and losing his position, being first in the field. So from winning, he went to, oh no, no, from participating to hopefully I'll finish, he was winning that thing. And it was impossible that he's going to lose that. And then he hit a fishing vessel, full, full speed with a lot of damage, and um, but he could keep on sailing and he lost the first place. So he, he came, in, before that, the second position would have been a huge success. And now he came in basically just losing the first place because he hit another boat. Well, what do you tell a person like that? I mean, if you, are, if you come in and like frustrated, say, If I had paid attention, I would have won that thing. 
Now I'm the first loser. Well, a, a very interesting thing about the brain or the mind is that we, we create a new normality very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes it's like people, and this has happened to me, you, know, you think, if I can make $50,000 a year, I will be so happy. All of my dreams, will, that would be so amazing if I had my own business and made enough to live on, I'd be so happy. And then you get to that. And then you go, you don't say, I am so happy. You say, if I could make 100000 a year, dollars a year, or euros or whatever. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh, I, I would be so happy. And I, I just can't wait for that to happen. I would be so happy. And then you make that and you're still not happy. So the mind adjusts to your new normality very quickly. Yeah. And if you're in a mental state of wanting more or um, – seeing that you're or not being satisfied with what you have, then doesn't matter how much you have. So you can go from first to last to wherever, and you're still never going to be happy because he could have even come first and gone, well, yes, I came first, but what's the next? Now mm. what's the next achievement that I have? Yes, I'm happy for a few minutes or days, mm -hmm. but I must, I'm not happy anymore. Now I must achieve more. Yes. So, what I'm He's playing that game. I don't know the person, but yeah. you can. most people play that game. They play a game with rules that they can never win, which is I'll be happy when I have more. Yeah, I'm wondering about this, this one incident. I, I think what, he seems to be a very reflected person. I mean, he's, he has been on Etsy on his own on a flying boat for 71 days. The funny thing is, when he arrived in Germany, he had to go into Corona quarantine because he was coming from abroad. Being alone on a boat for 71 days, um, I wonder where he picked up anything ex <laughs> except, except from being hungry. Um, so you, there's a lot of time to talk to yourself and think about yourself. Um, the thing that came up to my mind is, if this happened to me, how... It's, it's not about being first or second because I think he's reflected enough to see what he achieved. But this, if I had paid more attention that one moment, so it's my fault. It's not somebody else's fault. It's nobody that I can blame it on. I had it all. I, well, I worked for this 70 days and then I screwed it up in a second. How do you teach somebody not to blame yourself for that moment? How can there be anything positive well, in that moment on hitting that other boat? Well, the thing is, there is always something positive in every moment because our brain is designed. This whole universe exists in perfection. There is no such thing as anything being not perfectly the way it should be in every moment. Because if it wasn't perfectly the way it should be in every moment, then the whole And, and physicists will tell you this, quantum physics dictates that the whole universe would simply collapse. So everything is in, perfect, in perfection in every moment. The only thing that's not perfect is your, is your perception. If you see something is imperfect, what's imperfect is not what's happening, it's what your perception of it is. So what I would say to somebody who is really frustrated is to, to ask themselves, And you might not be able to see it straight away. You not, might not see it for five years. But you can start by asking, your, 
A, acknowledging and realizing that everything is perfect and the fact that you can't see it doesn't mean that it isn't. But you can start by asking, what's really great about this? What, or what could be great about this that's happened? What, what, could make the, what, what am I not seeing that could make this perfect? So me saying to myself, I'll give you a really good example. Me saying to myself, if only I had done that, then everything would have turned out differently. What an amazing lesson to learn about yourself. And the lesson is you're going to do things that you later or for an instant are going to regret. You can't, you can't help that. Things are not going to go the way you demand, expect, or want them to go. But what an amazing lesson to learn is not to try to make things, not to try to judge things negatively. And to realize yeah. when you say, I'm so frustrated that that didn't happen, that didn't happen. What's, you're the loser if you're frustrated. That's the only game. The game is not about winning the race. The game about, is about managing your, your own state so that you don't mind what happens. And that doesn't mean you don't, if you're in a race, you don't go for it and want to win. But if you don't win, and it, you realize that feeling upset and stressed, that's the real loss. It's not about the, the race at all. It's about how you feel. And when you're not feeling good and when you judge something negatively, you lose. So you can look at that and say, wow, what a great lesson that I'm learning about not trying to control events, but controlling my reaction to them. Because that means in the future, if something doesn't go my way, or if, I, if it doesn't go the way I expect, then I know I can deal with it in a resourceful way and see that it's probably perfect and I'm glad it didn't happen anyway. Are you or have you been... sense? Yeah. <laughs> have you been motivated by, um, by winning? I used to be, but again, I realized that that was a really futile game for the, for the real thing that I wanted, which was to be in control of my life. And to be in control of your life doesn't mean to be in control of the events. It means to be in control of how you feel. And what, so what I realized was that trying to win things rather than, than or, or try to get a sense of achievement out of getting something I didn't already have is simply a game that is never going to give you what you really want, which is to be happy. And I know I've said several times what we really want is to be happy, but it's true. And it's a biological um, state that our brain and we are designed to be in is in the happy state. That's our natural state. That's our creative state. So that's the short answer. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so how, do you, um, how do you combine having and thriving for goals and still be happy in the present moment? Well, the simple question is, don't have goals. You know, I spoke, I spoke to a really interesting gentleman last week who built up a company. He's, he's an older, older guy now, but he built up a company in the 1990s. He had a million customers. He had 500 employees. In eight, he had customers in 89 countries. He was turning over hundreds of millions of dollars. He never planned more than four minutes ahead in his life because what he realized, and this is what I teach and how your brain works, is that um, all you need to do is take the next step and goals are self-sabotage. And there are so many examples, and I'm sure people will, 
will relate when you if you if you ask yourself how many of the goals that I have set have I ever achieved? Now, if you're really honest, you'll realize it's a very small percentage. So if that's the case, and it is the truth, why are we all taught that the, there's something special about goal setting? As this gentleman said to me, he said, goal setting is self-sabotage. He said, all of those things that I achieved, I could never have put them on a goals list. I didn't know I was going to do all these amazing things. So, and there have been so many examples of businesses who've set goals that have gone bankrupt because it's just that because they have the wrong goals if you like yeah now very occasionally you have a goal where you go you know on a different level you know i really want this but you know not only that you want it but you know you're going to get it so you might meet somebody and you go this is the person i'm going to have a relationship with or you go into a house and you say i'm going to buy this both of those things have happened to me I bought a house that was about three times the amount of money I could afford, but somehow I ended up living there. I just knew that this was what, I, what was going to happen. And those sort of goals, you're in a different place. You allow those goals to happen because you know they're going to happen. You're not struggling. Yes, you're working hard to achieve them, but you're doing what comes along. You're not stressed and trying and saying, if I don't achieve that, I'm not going to be happy. So... What I'm really trying to say, and I, I talk about this a lot and, and help people, get, stop this goal-setting thing. Stop thinking that setting goals has got anything to do with creating your life because it's only going to sabotage you. As this gentleman said to me, goals are self-sabotage. Which brings me to a question. <laughs> How long are you going to stay in that house? <clears throat> no idea. Until we feel like moving. Do you have any plans to do anything else? Well, we have a, another yacht that we have, um, we're taking possession of in July. It's being built at the moment. So that's. So, how do you it. do that? How can you make a plan? Well, to, to, to buy that boat, to purchase that boat, to have it built and to buy it in July, because there's something where you are working towards. So you're thinking right now about having that boat and sailing, I think, Netherlands, something like this. You were talking about something in, in, inland. Yep. Um, I, I understood everything that you said, and I see the truth in it. Um, and I, I have seen for myself how much better it is to enjoy the moment than to live in future thoughts. On the other hand, I'm sometimes worrying if I'm, well, if I'm just happy now, then all I worry about, maybe if I get hungry, something like this, but I never, then I'm, I'm losing goals. If I'm truly here with myself, why would I make the plan for buying a boat in July? Well, I'm not saying, as I said earlier, that you shouldn't have any goals at all. But what I am saying is you need to have have the right goals and from the right motivation. So if, some, if something comes along to you, now obviously you're not necessarily going to get everything mm -hmm. that, that you want instantly. So you, you could say to yourself, well, I think I want to move house. Um, and I'll, I'll start looking for houses and I'll start contacting agents or I'll find out where I want to live. But you're not doing it in a stressed way. And you, you know that if the right house shows up, You'll know it and it will show up. So yes, there are some plans that you can make, 
But there's a very big difference between saying, that might be a nice idea. Yes, I would like to do that. Ah, that's the one I would like. I'll, I'll do that. Right, when can I have it? On oh, six months. Okay. And there are certain things I need to work out, what to put on the boat, if we're talking about the boat, um, where I'm going to sail it, all those things. Yeah, and that's all a fun experience. I know that's going to happen. But that's a very different experience to saying, I'm really unhappy, I'm stressed, I, I, or I could be happy now, but what would happen if I lost? I need to work to earn money. I need to earn more. I need to, because maybe I won't be able to live. Maybe I'll starve if I don't have goals. Maybe I won't be happy. Maybe I'll be frustrated. Maybe I won't be successful. Now, in that mental state, you're, you're coming from a place of fear and stress. And when you come from a place of fear, and I teach this about how, how you use your brain, but the fear is your enemy because what fear does is it puts you in a different mental state and it literally blocks your brain's full resources to bring to you anything that you want. And this is why the teaching in the Bible and every great philosophy or cultural or religious teaching throughout history has said to us the most important thing that you need to do is not be afraid. And in the Bible, more than 300 times, it says, be not afraid. And it also says in the Bible, give no thought for tomorrow. Let tomorrow take care of itself. Now, it's not saying that just because that's a cute idea. It's because that's how your brain works. Your brain is going to bring you everything you need to live the best life you can, but it's not going to bring it to you through your thoughts. It's going to bring it to you through coincidences, insights, new ideas, people that you meet unexpectedly, unexpected situations. This is the way your brain actually works. And we're busy stressing and saying, you know, yes, I could be happy now, but things might change in the future. But I need to prepare for the, you know, disasters or whatever. That's, that comes from a place of not understanding who you really are and how your brain works and that your brain will bring you everything you want. You just need to let it go and allow it to do its job. And if you're trying to control things and get stressed and accumulate stuff to make you feel happy, you really are blocking your brain and you're going to create problems in your life. You know, problems are a sign that you're doing it wrong. Can you give me an, uh, or can you give us um, a, a short overview on how to use our brain? Okay, well, the thing to realize is that fear is the enemy because there are four parts to your brain, and these are all located in different parts of your head, if you like. These are physical mm -hmm. locations. So maybe really briefly, I have a whole coaching program that goes into depth about this, but really briefly, you have a thinking brain, which is where you bring in information and you store it to make sense of it from your senses and your outside world. That's your thinking brain. That's your information and communication brain. You have your emotional brain, That generates your feelings. Then you also have your, what's called your mechanical, your survival, or your reptilian brain, which is the bit at the back of your head or back of your brain. And that's all to do with your automatic functions like your breathing, your digestion, all of those things that you don't have to think about. And it also is the part that's responsible for your fight, what might have heard of fight, flight, survival reaction. So this is the part of the brain that's designed to be activated when you're faced with an immediate threat or danger. 
So, so this you, was number. You stop thinking. Was this you part of the reptilian brain, or is it number four? Yeah, that's the that's still part of the third brain, the mm-hmm. mechanical yeah. reptilian brain. That holds your survival mechanism. Your everything to do with survival, including your reacting to a danger. But there's a fourth part of your brain that runs everything, and more, you know it was for a while thought those were the only three parts of the brain, but they've discovered a fourth part. And that's physically located between your emotional brain and your thinking brain. And this is what I call the creative brain. And this is where intuition, creativity, imagination, gut feelings all come from. They're all generated here. But here's what happens when you're afraid. And I'm sure you'll relate to this. This is what's designed to happen. So if you see um, somebody rushing towards you, waving a knife, and shouting at you. Do you think about it, what you're going to do? No, you don't. You snap and your brain, your emotional brain, sees that this is a danger, this is a threat to you. So your emotional brain sends chemicals into your body which activates your fear and it makes you feel afraid. These are called hormones sometimes or neurotransmitters. Your emotional brain says, you've got a danger, you need to react, stop thinking react. So your survival brain, your fight, flight, freeze brain reacts and you run out of the way or you shout or you you fight back. You do all of these things without thinking. But here's something that really, and, and this is perfect when you're faced with, with a danger because it, you don't want to stop to think. You don't want to get, want to think, what should I do? You just need to react. Otherwise you might die. Or say if a lion comes running out of the jungle in the old, you know, in primitive times, the person that has been built as a survival mechanism. But here's something really interesting that happens when you feel that fear and you've shut, is that your all of the energy of your brain and your body goes towards anything that's necessary to fight the danger. And anything that's not necessary gets shut down. And all of the energy from that part of your brain gets, re, gets diverted to the necessary reaction, survival part. So what gets shut down? Your creativity, your creative brain is what gets shut down first. Because if you're being faced with a danger, you don't want to be looking at the trees and evaluating things and being creative and imaginative. All that gets shut off. Now, where I'm going with this, and again, this is trying to give you a brief overview, but what's really important to understand is that when you're in the state, when you're in a fear state, you can't see the big picture. You can't be creative. You can't be resourceful. You can't do all of the things that might actually solve a problem. So while this is fine for when you are faced with an immediate danger, that same mechanism is activated anytime you feel fear, frustration, worry, anxiety. That blocks off your ability. So if you've got a problem and that makes you feel stressed, worried, or anxious, your brain can't fix the problem for you. Your brain because your brain doesn't have access to all the creative resources. Now, and you can think about this, how many times, you know, I do a lot of marriage and relationship coaching, and I tell people what to do, and I could see what they should do, but they couldn't see it for themselves. And I'd say to them, and, and maybe you've been in this situation, you have a friend who's going through a bad marriage, you can see, or relationship, you can see exactly what they should do, and you say to them, Get rid of the person, move on, find someone better. Or, you know, stop talking to them like that. That's only upsetting them. And that person's going, 
yeah, no, I can't leave. No, no, I can, I'm going to, I'm going to heal this. And it could be an abusive relationship, but they can't see it, but you can. You can see clearly what they should do, and they literally can't see it. And why is that? Their brain is not allowing them because they're in an emotionally anxious, fearful, stressed, frustrated state. So that's why the real key and what I teach people is there's only one, one enemy in your life, and that's fear. Because fear on a physical level is blocking you from seeing what to do with your life. It's blocking your creative brain's resources. So you don't need to try, and everything most people try and do, they do to try and get rid of their fear. That's the motivation of, for most people. I need to set more goals because I'm worried that if I don't, then something bad might happen to me. I need to have more stuff because if I don't, then you know I need to prepare for all eventualities that there might be some emergency come up. It's all motivated by fear. And your brain can't do its job properly. It can't bring you the things that are really going to make you happy. All it's going to do is give you problems because one of the things about the survival part of your brain, it activates something called the sympathetic nervous system. And the sympathetic nervous system, it's, when you're in that state, its job is to look out for every single possible danger that you're faced with. So if you hear a noise in the forest and you don't know what it is, your brain is focused 100% on that. What's the problem? What's the sound? Where's it coming from? Is it dangerous? Do I know what it is? Are there any other sounds? Your brain's not going, hang on, just think about it. It's just a sound. It could, you don't need to worry about it. Look at these lovely flowers around you and the beautiful forest you're in. Your brain can't do that. And this is why you see in society today People scared, afraid, and worried, and doing completely irrational things. Because their brain can only get them focusing on negative things. They can't see the big picture, literally. <coughs> Excuse me. So, in, I hope this is giving you a bit of an overview, but in a nutshell, your only goal in life is to, is to, be able, is to allow your creative brain to work and bring you everything that you want, everything that you really want and you're supposed to have, that's really going to make you happy, feel fulfilled and feel in control of your life. And the only thing that's blocking you or blocking your brain is, is fear because you're living in this state where it's <laughs> unable to access that. And now, how do I turn off the fear? <laughs> well, I have, a whole, I have a process called neurostate rebalancing which shows you how to do this because the reality is The fear comes from your emotional brain. Your emotional brain, is, it's also called the limbic system or the amygdala and the hippocampus to get really technical. But what your emotional brain does is it takes all of the information that comes in from your thinking brain and it relates it to what... So your emotional brain's sole job is to look around, interpret what's going on in your environment and to go, is this safe or is this dangerous? It's the emotional brain that makes the decision. And the way it does that is it looks at, it refers to every other experience of your life, and it says, what's happening now, has that meant safety or danger in the past? And if it's meant safety, so you look at, you know, a nice sunset, and you're your bright, you have memories of, yes, a nice sunset is safe, so you feel good. So your emotional brain said, 
says your environment is safe. So therefore, it activates the chemicals that activate your creative brain and you live in a naturally happy and creative state, the way you're supposed to. But if it sees a lion running through the forest or someone running at you with a knife and shouting, then it goes, it looks in and says, what does this mean? This means danger. Okay, get in, get into survival state, focus on removing that danger. Forget about anything else. So the trick, if you like, is you've got to reteach your emotional brain what everything means. Because most of the things that most people are afraid of, I mean, the first thing you need to do is, um, is uncover what it is that you're afraid of. Most people don't know that they're driven by fear. But any time you feel anxiety, worry, frustration, there's an underlying fear. So the first thing you have to do is you have to uncover what that fear is. And the second thing is you have to teach your emotional brain, and this is what I teach through neurostate rebalancing, you have to teach your emotional brain that it's not actually anything to be afraid of at all. And this is why people turning on the news and going, oh, there are people dying of something. Oh, that makes me feel bad, really bad. What your emotional brain is saying is because there are people dying on the TV and somebody's telling you how terrible the world is, that means that you could die. Now, you might think logically that's stupid, and it is. But that's not what your emotional brain is saying. Your emotional brain is saying, this is a threat to you. There's people on the TV dying. It's a threat to you. So, you, so it automatically makes you feel bad, and it gets you doing things that, A, are probably irrational, mm. well, they are, and stopping doing the things that are actually going to improve your own life. So that's what you've got to do. You've got to uncover what your fear, underlying fears really are, and most of us don't know. We don't know that's driving our life. And then you have to reteach your emotional brain um, that it's actually nothing to be afraid of at all. Because here's something really interesting. Can I just make one other quick point? Yeah. Why are we afraid of death? Why? Because it's such an irrational fear. Because I don't know if you've, I've done a little, quite a bit of reading about people who've had near death experiences. And there'd be more tens nobody, of nobody complained of about it. <laughs> Everybody said to the doctor, Why did you bring me back? And every religion teaches us there's a paradise waiting for us on the other side. And, and every single person in a near-death experience says, it was so much better over there. You know, I didn't want to come back to, to this existence, yet we're all afraid of death. Why are we afraid? It's an irrational fear because our brain is telling us it's something to be afraid of. And, but it doesn't make any logical sense. But you can't see that. If you, your emotional brain can't see that if you've somehow trained it to see that as, a, as something to be afraid of. I hope I'm not I hope I'm making sense here. <laughs> well, I don't know. What, what, what do our listeners uh, think you can... Uh, well, text me, text me, write, comment uh, if, you, if you like. Um, for, me, for me personally, it does. Um, but, uh, but and... The show is not about me, but about the listeners. So let me know what you think about it. Is there um, is there anything to read about this or any kind of program on your website? Well, I actually have my own podcast called Using Your Brain for Success. Mm -hmm. And I go into this in much more detail. Every episode is really an explanation more about how your brain works, how you work, not on too technical a level, but to 
because understanding is the key. And, you know, for most of my life, this is what I didn't have. I was busy. I, I studied religion, spirituality, um, self-help, motivation, business, everything I could think of to try and find the answer to the question, how can I be happy and successful? And I got a lot of success, but I was stressed and I had lots of problems and I was doing a lot of things I didn't want to be doing. And I never really felt good. Well, I felt good sometimes, but, but I didn't really feel I had a handle on my life. And it was only really when I started to explore out of necessity, because my life changed completely when I lost everything, which it shouldn't have done if I was such an expert on success, goal setting and motivation. Yeah. So what had I been doing wrong? Well, what I realized was I'd been, I hadn't interpreted the teachings of religion, spirituality, um, self-help, motivation, and everything else in the right way, which was you have to use a different part of your brain than trying to figure stuff out. There's, there's an infinite computer, which is your brain, which is way beyond your thinking brain. So the real key, and that's why I've developed the podcast and the Neurostate Rebalancing Program, is you've got to start to understand this, you know, and, 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 and this is what I teach. And it does require a little, there is a little bit of depth to it, but this is the way we are designed to function biologically. Mm-hmm. So... You know, as I say, I have a, a whole podcast and, and program about this. Tell me, um, tell me the name of the podcast and the name of the website again. I'll put it okay, in the show the pod- notes as well. So if you if you uh, are not driving at the moment, um, you can yeah. just have a look at the um, at the show notes and click on there. But if you are, if you remember one thing, it is. <laughs> Well, my, just my name, liamnaden.com. Yes. And Liam actually, Naden. you are, if you are looking for Liam Naden on that uh, search engine, um, you actually find him first, first in the row. So quite, quite easy. And the podcast is called? The podcast is called Using Your Brain for Success. Using your brain for success. So it's on, I, I suppose it's uh, uh, on all the podcast apps out there. Um, and uh, yes. otherwise you just go to Apple Podcasts and uh, have a look and subscribe to Liam. <laughs> so uh, for some uh, future future insights. Now it has been almost, almost an hour and I could go on for another one. Um, thank you, thank you very, very much for for your insights. Very interesting. I personally would like to talk about sailing as well. <laughs> um, um, but for today, I think this uh, um, it makes sense to to wrap it up because there have has been a lot of interesting insights. I hope I see you see you again uh, somewhere on the on the waterways of this world. Is there yes. anything, is there anything that you want um, our listeners to keep in mind? Could I leave you with a little sailing story? Of course. You, you had one earlier. <laughs> Now, for the last five years, I've been sailing around Europe from everywhere from Norway down to Turkey in the Mediterranean. Mm-hmm. But there's something really interesting about a sailboat that I've found And, and my experience on a sailboat. So what would happen is my partner and I would we'd say, well, we would like to go to a certain place. We'd be on our boat in a bay or an anchor. Where do we want to go next? We want to go 
<coughs> to a certain place. So we would have an idea of a destination that we, we would like to go to. And we'd get out the charts and we'd plan the course and say, well, this is probably the best way to get there. And we'd consider the, the environment, the wind conditions or the, the water or whatever. We'd say, this is a bit of a, this is the best plan to get there that we can think of. And then we'd take, pull up the anchor <laughs> and we'd, we'd pull up the sails. But what happened then? We let the boat take us there. Now, we didn't stand up by the mast we wouldn't, and, and try and blow into the sails to try to make it go faster. And we didn't get all stressed and, and, and think we weren't going to get there. And we didn't get on the back and paddle our feet and try and push the boat along further. What we realized is it's the boat that was going to get us to where we wanted to go. And sometimes we might need to adjust course. Sometimes we might not get to the destination where we, wanted to, where we thought we wanted to go because the conditions meant it wasn't the right place to go. But we let the boat do the job. We didn't do the job. Sure, we steered it and we kept an eye out and we adjusted things, but we weren't the ones pushing the boat to our destination. And when you understand how your brain works, you realize it's not you that's getting you to where you want to go. Your job is to enjoy the journey, to, keep it, to have a bit of an idea about where you want to go, to keep an eye on the conditions, but to realize you're going to get somewhere where you should be, should be getting to, and you can enjoy the journey. It's not your job is to push the boat along. And that's the power of your brain. When you really understand it, when you really understand what's driving your life, you realize there's a boat driving your life, not, not your, your thinking thoughts. And very occasionally, or, or, or another thing about the boat, you know if you get into real danger, if, if something is going to threaten your life, if the boat is going to sink, say if you hit something or the, like the man on the, in the race, you know you've got something called a life raft. And you can pull that life raft out and you can get in it. Now, the life raft is never going to get you to where you want to go, you know, but it is going to save your life. So you only ever want to use that life raft when it's, there's no alternative, when you're going to die if you don't use that life raft. You don't pull it out just when you think something bad might happen. But most people live in their life raft and they're trying to get somewhere and by using, which is their fear brain, which is only supposed to be pulled out when you're facing an immediate danger, a threat, a real danger. They're using that all the time and they're wondering why they're not getting anywhere. Yeah. And they're struggling along in the life raft trying and to push let themselves their boat to a go destination. And they are stuck on the life raft. They're not using the boat the right way, yeah. are they? And it's the same with the, and this is what I teach about the brain, is if you understand who you are, who you really are, and how your brain really works, you can let it take you where you're supposed to go. You don't need to struggle and, and, uh, and try and push it harder. Yeah. It'll take you there. And when you ever have a meeting or a rendezvous with a sailor, you either pick a place or a date. <laughs> yeah. um, And maybe Sometimes that's something happen. that helps in life as well. Liam, I'm thrilled. Thank you so much. Um, well, I, I hope for more. Uh, thank you for being on the show. Thank you very much for having me on your show. It's been great.